Hey, welcome to episode number 230 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan. I'm a pastor, your Bible reader, and host for this podcast. More Than Bread is a, a title that is a constant reminder of the saying from Scripture that we cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need more than bread. We need more than stuff. We need God's words. And, and I hope that, like me, you've been gaining a bit more hunger for the words of God found in the Word of God. I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm praying that you and I both find a certain soul satisfaction, a heart shaping as the Spirit of God breathes life into us through the Word of God. So in the last episode, we finished up Philippians, the book of joy. And, and in this episode, I'm going to introduce Colossians, the book of Jesus. Now, there's more to it than Jesus, but if there's any book of Paul's that lifts up Jesus, it's the book of Colossians. And and remember, the book of joy and the book of this deep, deep delight in Christ were both written while Paul was in prison. So before we dive in, let me just give you a little bit of context for Colossians. This letter from Paul to the church in this small community of Colossus was probably written around 62 AD or so, about the same time as Paul wrote Ephesians. In fact, both letters were sent with Tychicus, see Ephesians 6.21, and Onesimus during Paul's imprisonment in Rome, which we, we read about in Acts 27 and 28. The, the church was likely started by Paul during his three-year mission in Ephesus, when a man by the name of Epaphras came from a class to Ephesus and, and ended up responding to Paul sharing about Christ. And, and then he went home to class and began talking to all of his neighbors about Jesus and, and a church was started. But here's what I love about the New Testament book we call Colossians. It is passionately thrilled with Christ. I mean, Colossians is one of the most Christ-centered, Jesus-loving, Christ-exalting books in the Bible. It's filled with variations on the theme of Jesus. Jesus is the object of our faith and the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the creator of all things. And in fact, all things were created by him. In fact, all things are even now held together in him. He is the head of the church, the resurrected one, our savior through the cross, our victorious champion over sin and Satan, Lord of glory, Lord of life, model for living Colossians is an exaltation of the exalted Christ. I mean, if you ever need a pick-me-up reminder of the treasure that has been given to us in Christ, just take 15 or 20 minutes and read through Colossians. I mean, read through it every day for a week or two. The whole book is short. Colossians chapter 1 is kind of long, and that's what I'm going to read as, as really just an intro. We're not going to dive in. I'm not trying to cover the whole chapter, but I want to give you a sense of it before we, we dive into any of it. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and here's what it says. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossus, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and, and your love for all of God's people, which, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You've had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives 
just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news. Remember from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And all the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so you'll have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news, that good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I'm glad. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people for God wanted them to know. God wanted you to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles also. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others, We tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. And that's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Oh, there is so much in just that chapter. But if there's one question that Paul's letter answers, it's this question, Jesus, are you the one? Are you the son of God for whom we have waited? Are you the one? Are you the king of a new kingdom, savior of the world, lover of my soul? Are you the one? And if you're not sure what Paul thinks about Jesus, then 
Listen to Paul answer that question. Is Jesus the one? Paul writes in verses 15 through 18, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is a before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything... He might be preeminent. (laughs) Is there any doubt of what Paul thinks? He's the one. I mean, think about this. He was born in a small rural village over 2,000 years ago, and yet he always was, always is, and always will be. He rarely traveled far from home. He was not a world traveler, but he created the whole world. He lived a few years past 30, but his life divided history into two times, the time before Jesus and the time after Jesus. He was born to a blue-collar couple, father a carpenter, mother a teenager. He could identify with today's working poor. In his lifetime, did more than a dozen call him friend? Did more than a few hundred ever call him leader? Did, Did more than a few thousand ever even hear him speak? He didn't start a business or lead an army or get elected to office. He wasn't a a famous professor. Many, many simply missed him, but they didn't know that he was the one. Of course, sometimes it was hard to miss that he was the preeminent one, like that time when they were out on a boat and a storm came, a wicked storm experienced sailors, fearful knees shaking, waves higher than a house tossing them back and forth. They thought they were going to (laughs) die until Jesus woke up from his nap and spoke to the storm, be still. Who is this man? Peter wondered. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Or remember the time when he took a sack lunch and fed enough people to fill the Bryce Jordan Center and and then some. There were people those days who thought he was the one. Or how about that day when he hung on a cross and he called upon God to forgive the ones who put him there. And then when he died, the world got dark and the earth shook. And there was a Roman soldier that day at the foot of the cross who said, oh, I think he was the one. Or how about a few days later? When he rose from the dead and showed up at dinner, everyone but Thomas said, you are the one. All of us at some point must ask the question, Jesus, are you the one? And understand if he really is the one, if he really is who he claimed to be, then he is the single most significant person who ever lived. He is preeminent in everything, surpassing all others. He is first in everything. He is unequaled, without parallel, unmatched, beyond compare, second to none. He is preeminent in everything. There is nothing of greater value than Christ, for he is nothing less than God and nothing else can bring us life and satisfy our hearts. He is nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. He is preeminent in everything, Paul says. Why? First of all, because he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the image of the invisible God. In other words, when I look at Christ, I see the face of God. When Paul talks about Jesus being the image of God, he He uses a very specific word. When we hear image, we often think copy, not the real thing. Very much like, but not the real thing. But the word Paul uses for image actually means manifestation. Jesus is the manifestation of God. Jesus is God showing up. Jesus is making God known. Later, Paul says, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Listen to me, when you see the face of Jesus in the Gospels, you see the face of God. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to someone who can't believe in God. I just can't believe in God. 
And I'll ask them to describe the God they can't believe in. And when they're done, I'm thinking, man, I couldn't believe in the God you're describing either. Listen, regardless of your politics or the atrocities you lay at Christianity's feet, in spite of every hypocritical Christian that you ever had the joy of meeting, the question remains, what do you believe about Jesus? Because if you want to know what God is like, you need to look in the face of Jesus. What do you see when you look at Jesus? I see a man who went out of his way to love people in the margins of life. Tough love mixed with amazing grace and an impatience with those who loved religion more than they loved people. I see deep peace mixed with an uncontainable passion for his purpose. Eyes that saw the invisible people, unhurried joy, sacrificial love. When I look at Jesus, I see the boldness to call us to give our very lives to him and and the courage to give his for us. I see the power to change our world. And the more I ponder Christ, the more I realize that there is nothing more than him. He is preeminent in all of creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, in him, All things hold together. Nothing is held together without him. All things were created by him. I mean, think of a part of creation that you particularly love. Fall colors in Pennsylvania. The ocean, a mountain vista, the colors of the fish in Hawaii. All created by him. Without him, nothing. But not only was it created by him, it was created for him. Even... Even if we did not exist or if there was some part of creation that no human ever sees, creation would still fulfill its purpose because it's for him. I love the stars at night. I go out late at night. I look at the stars. I've read that there are 50 billion galaxies or so in the universe, and each of those galaxies has an average of two to four billion stars. So 50 billion times, let's say, three billion would give you the number of stars in the universe. One astronomer suggested this picture. Take a box of salt, pour it out on the ground. Now pour out 10,000 more boxes of salt, and those grains of salt represent the stars in the Andromeda galaxy, which is one of 50 billion galaxies in the universe. And if we never see the stars of 49, what is that? Quadrillion, 999 trillion, 999,999 of those galaxies, it's okay because not only... Were they all made by him? They are all made for him. We, we could talk about the marvel of creation that is you. <laughs> I, I know some of you, you think you aren't much, but just the biology and chemistry of you is enough to cause angels to shake their heads in wonder. And it's all by him and for him. You are for him. And that's not even touching things like gravity, electricity, physics, quantum theories. In fact, when it comes to physics, Paul says that in Christ, all things hold together. Everything held together in him. Gravitational forces, the force that holds the nucleus of an atom together. Without Christ, creation goes back to chaos. And that's not all. Not only is Christ preeminent in creation, he's preeminent in recreation, the creation of a new order, a new resurrection life found in the church. Paul says in verse 18, he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that in everything, in everything, there is no place where he is not preeminent. Listen, there's nothing greater than Christ. 
Christ is the treasure of Christianity. With all my heart, I believe that the church is the hope of the world, but only because the church is on the heart of Christ. Listen, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but if it's not because of Christ, you're missing everything. I don't know why why you connect at Calvary or whatever church you go to, but if it's not because of Christ, you're missing something, and sooner or later, we'll let you down. The church will let you down, but Christ, Christ is the head of the body and the bridegroom. He's the beginning of life, the beginning of everything. He's not just prominent. He's preeminent. He's not just sufficient. He's sovereign. He's not just someone. He is the one. (laughs) And in in the end, the question that each and every one of us must answer every day, every day, not just once, I don't care how long you've been a Christ follower, the daily question, (laughs) what will you do with this Jesus? Oh, Jesus. I pray for each and every person listening to the sound of my voice. And this is one time when I can pray, God, would you let hundreds and hundreds of people listen to this just so that for a moment Jesus could be lifted a little bit higher in our hearts and our souls and our minds. Jesus, you are amazing. There is no one like you. No one like you. I pray that that for just a, a moment or two or a day or two or a year or two or a lifetime or two, <laughs> Jesus, that you will be so exalted in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, that, that people can't help but notice you, that when they look at us, they see you, that, that when something good happens in our life, it, it's glory to you because all things hold together in you. All things are for you and by you. We are for you and by you. Jesus, thank you for all that you have done for us. And I pray that in the days to come, we would grasp that you're not just sufficient, you're sovereign. You're not just prominent, you're preeminent. You're not just someone. You are the one. (laughs) We thank you, Jesus. We love you. You are amazing. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.